Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Seen It All. We break down this week's biggest movie and TV news. We got a whole lot to discuss this week. We got Exorcist Believer review, box office this past week, plus my mini reviews of Paw Patrol, Saw X, and Dumb Money. We got the finale of Ahsoka, Ahsoka episode eight, Loki season one, season two, episode one, Gen V, Only Murders in the Building, season three talk, and what's coming next week, Taylor Swift is on the horizon. We got so much to break down on this episode. I want to start us off today on a discussion of this past week's box office, and starting with the victor, the victor of this past week's box office, and that is Paw Patrol's The Mighty Pups, something like that. I know it's Paw Patrol 2, basically. Before I get into the actual box office performance, I want to talk about do my mini review so i made it out i made it outside i made it in time to go see paw patrol i did a paw patrol dumb dumb money double feature it was actually a very enjoyable time at the theater i really thought this movie was going to be dog poo poo but it wasn't it actually ended up i actually ended up enjoying enjoying my time seeing this movie i would not call it great no but i would say it's a solid movie kids are absolutely going to love this movie or at least my entire audience of kids enjoyed the movie they were screaming at all the paw patrol names it was adorable. They all clapped at the end. They all were like, when one of the characters was close to death, they were like, is she dead? Is she dead? It was so cute. It was adorable. A few noticeable things from seeing, um, I haven't seen really anything related to the show at all. I've never, I think my brother watched Paw Patrol maybe for a few months, but other than that, I had no idea really about Paw Patrol. One, I had no idea there was no law enforcement at all in the Paw Patrol universe. Um, a character goes to jail, but the fire nor police department ever show up. So who's seen these people exactly? It's just kind of funny thinking about that. Oh my gosh, the camera almost fell off. Also, my favorite thing about the movie is its sheer level of destruction. Stuff gets blown up. It is very cool to watch. They destroy a lot of places here. There's stuff with a meteor, and it just laid waste the whole city. It was very entertaining. I I love also the inclusion of Olivia Rodrigo music. I love me some Olivia Rodrigo. Anytime her music shows up, and it was kind of funny for it to show up in a Paw Patrol movie. It just didn't seem to fit, but I was still happy to put Olivia Rodrigo in it. The only character that gets any development is a dog named Sky. The she's a pink one that flies all the ships, and I liked her arc. There was one scene that felt very Jessie from Toy Story Two, and it seemed like they were just knocking that off for most of her storyline. She's a very typical storyline, and you could predict how it was going immediately. You predict how this whole movie was going, but specifically her character arc. I was really hoping I would actually come to understand the dogs that weren't main characters. I knew like Chase was a police dog, Sky was the pink flying one, and Marshall's the fire department one, and then there's the the bulldog that's funny, that's the construction one. But the other three ones, I have no idea who they are. There's one, the Selena dog, I can't understand her, but the recycling one and the water one, I have no idea what their names are. I could not tell you. They didn't really do much of the movie. They probably had like five lines each. I was it. I still have no idea what they are. I think the movie would have been perfect. I think a movie would have been perfect enough to give everyone their time to shine, but they didn't really. It, they didn't really, it was mostly the Sky Show here. I know my little cousin is going to love this movie, though, and I know tons of little kids are going to love this movie. They are going to make so much money at the box office, but more in terms of toy sales, because every time a new vehicle or location popped up on the screen, I knew that it could be made as a toy. A cha-ching sound went off my brain. Anytime we saw... Paw Patrol activate a new device. And lastly, before I get to box office for Paw Patrol, I have to ask, is this the Gen Alpha's version of Airbud? Because there's an Airbud film that resolves around a meteor falling down with special leashes or special rings or whatever that give the dog superpowers. And it's like a rainbow colorish. So I think this is just Airbud at this point. If I come to the realization that Paw Patrol is Gen Alpha's version of 
of Paw Patrol? I think it is. I think it is. I think I've come to that realization. But audience love this. Audiences love this movie as it received an A on Cinema Score. Very good reaction. This film is going to have legs over the coming weeks because those little kids are going to drag their parents to go see this movie again and again, and then buy it on digital, and then watch it over and over until all those parents can think of as Paw Patrol. Nothing else. Okay, but at the box office, Paw Patrol won the weekend with 23 million, and worldwide the film opened to, I think, also 23 million. So worldwide the film opened to 46 million dollars. That's including the domestic number. 30 million budget. That is an incredibly small budget. I mean, there wasn't any groundbreaking animation here, so I see where they saved on the money, and I'm pretty sure they kept all the voice actors from the animated show, except for a few big ones that had cameras, like Kim Kardashian had two lines. Uh, there was a few other notable ones I saw in the credits, so I was surprised they got those big names, but they just came in for the buck, so they can advertise it with their name on it. Third film, uh, third film of the Paw Patrol, they had the first one come back out in 2021, is already in production. And the first one that came out in 2021 only made out 14 million worldwide opening weekend, but that was pandemic times. It also released day and date on Paramount plus. So good trajectory from this franchise. And as long as they, as long as they keep, keep printing big bucks for Paramount and Nickelodeon, those kids are just going to keep eating it up, buying the toys, going to see the movies, buy all the merchandise. They had a, they had a popcorn bucket that I actually bought it somewhere up there. Now I added it to my collection with same as Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. They had the bucket, they had the cup with the cup topper, and they had a mask for it. So it was actually it was actually perfect. I should have worn it. Oh, well. But they are selling so much merchandise to those kids and those families. Congrats to Paramount. Well done. Between this and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, they are having a good year in animated films and in toy sales. Their live-action films, not so much. Dungeons & Dragons, Transformers Rise of the Beast, Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1... It's been, a, it's been a rough summer for them. All movies that I actually really enjoyed, except for Transformers. I don't like Transformers. But every other movie Paramount's put out this year, I thought was great. So, Paw Patrol, surprisingly, thumbs up. Next up, I want to talk about Saw X, a film that I said I'm not going to make myself go to see. But I forced myself to go see this movie so that I would see all the four wide releases this week. So, Creator, Dumb Money, Saw X, and Paw Patrol. I have gone to the movie six times, movie theater six times this past week or so, and I enjoyed every experience. And I really didn't think I would enjoy this one. I've not seen any Saw films, nor will I probably ever see any other ones outside of this one. Maybe it's subsequent sequels. Um, I've seen all the kill counts for the film, like Dead Meat on YouTube. I've seen that. So I have seen all the crazy traps, but not sat through the whole trap scene. I think the worst one was the one where they had the girl jump in the pile of the needles. And I, oh, it just, blah, blah. so before this weekend, I was telling myself I did not have to see this movie. But then the Rotten Tomatoes score came out, and it's in the high 80th percentile range. I don't know how that's possible. It's the only fresh film, fresh Saw film ever. So I made myself check it out and go see the film. And to my surprise, I really thought the Rotten Tomato score was just something's off there. It was really good. I'm incredibly surprised that I enjoyed this movie. Now, I still can't handle the torture scenes. They just make me upset. They made my stomach hurt here. I just don't find pleasure in watching people get tortured. I think it's a little sadistic. But most of the people here were awful. So that made it easier to watch. So outside of the saw traps, which are probably about 20, 25 minutes of the movie, it's actually really good. I didn't see any trailers this film, or when I did, I had no memory of it. I kind of put it out of my brain. So I don't even, I didn't even know the story of the film. But the first 40 minutes is really about John Kramer going in for a miracle cancer treatment in Mexico, um, where they do, they do, they, the funny thing is in the Mexico scene, they have the Mexican filter on it, the yellow Mexican filter on it, which I found it so funny because I thought they stopped using that. But I was like, oh my God, they used the filter. Um, I thought we I thought we moved on for that, but some something goes wrong with the procedure, and I won't say how, but some people need some some redemption, um, and that puts in the motions for the traps of the film. I love that John Kramer is the main character of the movie, and I think this is the first time that's happened from what I'm saying. It really works well for the story, along with having Amanda be at his side. Their dynamic was just perfect as mentor and trainee. 
The other major standout besides the two was the Swedish slash Norwegian Norwegian doctor. She was something like their European doctor. That that is the other main character besides John and Amanda, and she really carries her own. Uh, the best scenes of the movie is when John is having his philosophical debates with all of the people. With and there's Amanda by his sides with the traps around them. It was just awesome when all six of them, because there's like a group of four people that are getting tortured at the same time, and you have Amanda and John. When you got all them together, just talking it out. Ooh, fine, all centers. Then we had to watch everybody do their traps and stuff. And of course, we have many twists and turns that kept me on my toes. In the last 20 minutes, I did not see coming at all. I thought I was going in a completely different direction. I thought I predicted what was going to happen. I did not. So yeah, this isn't going to make me go watch any other Saw movies. This is the only one that's fresh from Rotten Tomatoes. But it does give me hope for the future of the franchise. And they're already talking about making an 11th Saw. Uh, <laughs> you have gotten a little... They've got me on board. They've got me on board. I'm not going back to watch any of the previous nine films. But they've got me on board. And when I saw the parody commercial they made of Nicole Kidman for the AMC ad, a commercial that AMC removed during due to copyright reason, that is absolutely stupid that they removed it. But they, I think they got me on board when they did that. But as for the box office, so sucks. Good time. Actually enjoyable. Besides the scenes of people getting murdered. But as for the box office, it was a huge success with the film coming in second weekend or coming in second at this weekend for an 18 million opening weekend domestic and I think 32 million overseas opening. This is on a $13 million budget. These films cost no money to make. And typically they take place mostly in one building with all the traps. They're probably an hour of the film was all in just one warehouse. And so they said a ton of money on that. It has a B cinema score. I would say this is great for a film of this type. Torture porn, getting a B or higher means it's actually a good movie. Incredible success in a film that I actually enjoyed to my huge surprise. And this is going to make a lot of money for Lionsgate to make up for their failure of Expendables 4 last week. So, Sonic's Good time. Uh, next, I want to talk about The Creator. I'm not going to do a mini review for The Creator because I did a full review this past week on last week's episode. You can watch that. Check your YouTube, find it on Spotify. I think it's about 10 minutes long, so check that out. I went more in depth on The Creator. But I absolutely loved this movie. My dad and I went and, I went and saw my dad again on Sunday. See, I've been with her so many times this week. <laughs> I went and saw it again with my dad on Sunday, and he really enjoyed it. And he was he would just kept thinking, he's like, is this the guy who did District, District 9? I'm like, no. But it's very similar, and he kept calling like, Gareth Edwards a new Neil Blomkamp, and he wouldn't stop saying that. But he enjoyed it. He thought it was a little bit too dark, and I kind of agree a little bit, but I like me some dark stuff. But I did a, but um, it seems like more general audiences, it's kind of turning on the film and calling it unoriginal. Yes, it does reuse many sci-fi ideas, but so does sci-fi from every generation. It repackages it and delivers it so excellently, you shouldn't take issue with that. And I thought we were celebrating a fresh, big-budget original film after a sea of franchises, and we're turning our back on it? That makes me sad, but general audiences are mixed on it. It had a B-plus cinema score, which means the audiences were mixed on the big blockbuster. That's what Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness got, Thor Love and Thunder, Amen, Almost Quantum Mania, I'm using all these Marvel examples, but you see big blockbusters that were kind of mixed, even though some I love Doctor Strange too, but the other ones... And I think that's honestly because of the ending of the creator. This is not your traditional Hollywood ending. I think many people are taking the message as pro AI right now. And I don't, I think when AI is threatening people's jobs, but I don't think that's what the message is fully. I think it's more about underprivileged groups, minority groups, stuff like that. I just want this to be remembered as a great movie because I love it, but people are not going out to see it. And it doesn't even need to make a lot of money to overcome its $80 million budget, but it probably won't even do that. It's a film open to $14 million even lower than industry projections would have had it in the high teens, close to 20 million. That's so sad. And I was really hoping it would do better. It opened, it opened the high teens overseas as well for a 32 million worldwide opening, which I don't think is going to be enough to pay for this one, unless it just has outstanding legs, which I don't think it will with that cinema score. I just was really hoping better. And this does not pose well for the original big budget films in the marketplace. So go out. If you're looking for to support big original films, creator is one of my favorites of the year. So I highly recommend it. And the last up to talk about is dumb money. Dumb Money finally expanded in my local theater, but 
as I was supposed to review on last week's episode, didn't play in my local theater Thursday because they did not get the hard drive yet. It was a mess. Um, I still don't. I still don't know how that happened, but I was able to go the next day and do a double feature, double feature Paw Patrol and Dumb Money, which what an experience! I can, um, I can never, never recreate one that I was late to, running late to, and I was going a little fast. So if a cop pulled me over, I bet you he would have just laughed and told him I was trying to get to the movie theater on time to go see Paw Patrol and Dumb Money. That just <laughs> what a weird. I never thought I'd say that in my entire life. But about Dumb Money itself, I saw it in a theater with three other people, all of whom were definitely above the age of fifty. But I really enjoyed the film, and it was an entertaining film that I would say is likely relegated to streaming at this point. There are huge stars here and lots of them. They all have time to shine. The pace is excellent because there are so many characters. The story just keeps moving along because it cut, just cuts in between them. It was perfect, but the standout to me was probably America Ferreira. She's the one who I was rooting for the most to win. I didn't wasn't super happy with her ending character, but it made me angry to see those, what those billionaires did. They abused the system, and even though I actually lived through it, I still didn't quite remember what happened fully. I mean, it was over two years ago. So in that way, it was more entertaining. This and Air are very similar to me, but I found Air more enjoyable and better put together than this. I liked, there was some more character stuff in that. But the stuff I, that I found funny is you have a bunch of older people who are going to see this as an investor-type movie, and then half the movie is focused on weird YouTubers and Reddit memes. And they use a lot of the Reddit memes and a lot of Gen Z humor here. I found it funny. They also use rap songs from 2021 that I hadn't heard in forever that were on TikTok and stuff like that. A weird, very weird amalgamation of stories. You got the serious stock conversation and then you got the hilarious meme stock. Kind of perfectly sums up the craziness of 2020, 2021 right there. So it's a film that didn't jump onto my top 10 of the year or anything, but it's enjoyable. I don't see myself watching it anytime soon unless my dad wants to see this when it ends up on Netflix because it is a Sony film. And this is like the perfect Netflix movie. I think this might explode on Netflix. I could see it doing very, very well. But for his box office, Sony distributed this film so horribly. It opened in, with theaters in its first weekend. It opened with, I think, eight theaters its first weekend. And then it expanded around 200 and now 2,000. I think you should do that. Only do that if word of mouth is absolutely going to explode. And it hasn't. Also, last weekend, the only other major release was Expendables 4, which just crashed and burned. It made no money. You could have totally gone wide against that and probably could have taken the number one spot that weekend. Why decide to go wide when there's three other big releases in the marketplace, all that you lost to? I, it's just so stupid. But for its third week of release and its first wide release in the film for the film, it made $3.5 million. That was, oh, the, the industry was only projecting to make, for it to make $6 million. I think it's around $10 million for its entire domestic run total at the point. At this point, and the film has a $30 million budget. So I don't see it's going to make its money back. Again, horrible release strategy. And many people think this is a streaming movie slash Netflix movie, which it will be eventually. Just a really bad performance from Sony here. They terribly mishandled this film. But as for almost all of these films, they all kind of underperformed from industry projections, excluding Paw Patrol. Paw Patrol is a beast to itself, which was powered by the Midwest domestic, uh, Midwest demographic. So people who don't know, usually go see the movies, go see it. I think 15% total box office was Midwestern, which you don't see that a lot. That's how you got Top Gun Maverick last year. Midwest can power some films to a lot of money, but they don't come out very long. But I think a little bit of all the underperforming from the other films, Saw X, Dumb Money, Creator, had to do with the flooding in New York. That, that close to one of the biggest movie theaters in the entire world. And I do think it played a part in all these films under performances. So I really had a great time this past week at the movies. I saw so many. I saw four really good and enjoyable experiences that I won't ever forget going to see. It. I basically was at the movie theater every day of the week, except for maybe one day, maybe six days. Because I've seen six movies and I saw one today. So good time at the theater. Box office. Eh, we're going to Taylor Swift will rebound it for us. But box office. Eh. All right. Now I want to talk about Ahsoka. On this past week ahsoka episode eight the finale so before this episode began i had severe worries about wrapping everything up in a timely manner 
And then the rumored runtime came out for the final episode. And it was the same as the other ones that like around 45 minutes to 40 minutes with credits. And I got really worried. How are they going to manage wrapping it all up in such a short time? So I thought they were going to wrap it up very unsatisfying, like a lot of Marvel shows managed to do, where they cram so much into the finale that it just becomes so unsatisfying. I think Moon Knight kind of did that. Mars Marvel, to an extent. Secret Invasion, to a greater extent. They just, they do that a lot. Here they decide just not to wrap up most of the stuff in favor of letting a movie or season two of the show finish everything else. They ended the season with a huge cliffhanger that I kind of have mixed feelings on. One, I felt a pit in my stomach after finishing the show, just like I did with season one of Loki with that cliffhanger ending, and I could not stop thinking about it. So I kind of like that. I like that feeling where I just can't stop thinking about it. Like Avengers of Infinity War. That clouded my brain for like a whole weekend. But two, some of the character choices at the end made me question the future. So I want to address any of the episodes uh, in the epi- end of the entire season before I go into my breakdown of the rest of the episode, which I thought was excellent. So we end the show with Sabine. Oh, spoilers, by the way. Spoilers. So we end the show with Sabine, Ahsoka, Hugh Yang, Balin, and Shin all left in the other galaxy. Basically, we flip-flop the characters that were all left in the other galaxy. So we started off with Thrawn and Ezra over here, everybody else over here, and then we flip-flopped it, basically. And I think this has real structural sound to it. Like, it's really well-structured, but I don't like that one line Ahsoka says, that they were they were where they were meant to be. Does that mean they're just going to stay there and not try to take down the rest of the Empire? If Ahsoka and Sabine are done for the Star Wars universe, that makes me really sad because I really like them. But hey, they get to spend their time with the turtle folk and Anakin's Force Ghost. Every time Anakin shows up, and he has shown up three times or four times so far, he should have been four episodes, everyone absolutely explodes. And I get it the first time, but we've seen him since then. Let's not decide the value of the entire episode based on this one character showing up for five seconds, which I feel like a lot of people are doing. But before I get to the other character's fate, I want to start back at the beginning of the episode. So everything has been loaded onto the ship, and Thrawn right now is just trying to delay the Jedi from making it on board so he can depart back to the galaxy. Then we see Morgan Elsbeth gets to become one of the Night Sisters and receives one of their sacred swords that's lit up with green fire that looked very CGI-ish and not real at all. But I feel like they just made her they made her the witch. They're like, oh, you can become one of us and then die immediately. Good for you. And they left her behind. They're so, so stupid. And then they cut to the title card. Of course, of, which I do have to say, I it, the title cards of this whole show have been perfect. They are perfect cold opens before the title card and always hits the tone with the music. It's just perfect. But the title episode, I think, gave away the most about the coming up stuff than any other title before. And that's the title, The Jedi, The Witch, and The Warlord, which is Warlord, which completely its inspiration from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which I'm okay with. Some people are getting upset with it. Jeez, chill out. There's so many Ahsoka haters on my timeline. It just makes me kind of angry. I'm like, how did I end up here? And I'm just like, if you don't like the show, don't watch it, okay? You don't have to watch it. I knew immediately, though, that when they titled the episode and they brought up Morgan, they brought Morgan up to the forefront because she's never been, like, the main antagonist in this show, that she was going to die by the end of this episode and Thrawn was going to make it out. I knew that was how it was going to end. Uh, the heroes have, have to have some sort of victory over Morgan but still lose the day. I didn't have any theories on who was going to make it out of it, but by the time Ahsoka, Ezra, and Sabine made it on made it on the ship or made it near the ship, I was like, okay, they're going to leave Hugh Yang behind. That's going to be the emotional part of the story. My prediction did not hold out for that part. So I guess I did guess a lot from the title, but not everything. But then we cut to the hero crew, Ezra, Sabine, Ahsoka, riding along with the turtles and going very slow, I might add. I was talking to myself saying that they need to speed it up. Thrawn is going to leave without you. Why are you not in a hurry? I want to get home. That's what I'd be saying. I'd be like, let's put this in. Let's leave these turtle people behind. They can survive. They've survived for a millennia. Let's go. Let's get out of here. I want to be home. But on board the ship, this gives time for Ezra to build his new blue lightsaber. Ooh, every lightsaber, lightsaber he has had before has been green, but it also it's 
Kanan's color and he uses Kanan's art. Ooh, Star Wars Rebel shout out. Everybody's went a little crazy. But it also gives time for Sabine to talk to Ahsoka about the decision she made to risk in the entire universe's fate to save Ezra. And Ahsoka understands her just like Anakin understood Ahsoka, which I was surprised about. But I think this new white Ahsoka is a lot better than the gray Ahsoka we had in the beginning because she was very stern. She didn't have very much emotion. And now she's actually being happy. And you see a real transformation after episode five and it's really good for the character this is like old ahsoka we had but their ship gets attacked by tie fighters and hu yang stays back to fix it while the three jedi two and a half jedi basically so being named full jedi yet they make their way to thrawn this time a bit faster than before they finally pick up the pace but they get there and they have to face a platoon of stormtroopers which they easily kill and then they come back to life but by the witch's magic so they can't be killed really unless they cut the heads off which they do a few times i wish i would have been like you have a lightsaber that can cut through skin just chop all their heads up. Let's stop slashing them. Let's slash their heads off. But I think Disney's like, you can have only a couple head cuts off. But let's kill, let's cut everybody's heads off, okay? Okay. But then Morgan shows up, and now a witch, she's now a witch to fight Ahsoka, and Ahsoka and her had the best, best lightsaber slash sword fight in the show, and the choreography was great. You can tell that the actress who played Morgan trained under her godfather slash uncle Bruce Lee because she is an excellent fighter. But Sabine is able to get Ezra on Thrawn's ship, but goes back to help Ahsoka fight Morgan and the zombie stormtroopers. All of these stormtroopers and Morgan knew they were going to be left behind. I like that darker story that that's for the Empire, and they are willing to be left behind for they believe the betterment of the galaxy. I love they are really passionate for the cause. But Ahsoka, Ahsoka kills Morgan after losing after losing one of her lightsabers, and Hu Yang comes and picks them up, but they are too late. And Thrawn leaves, not before giving his best lines of the series, basically telling her she lost. The look on Rosario Dawson's face was perfect. I loved it. So Ahsoka, Sabine, and Hugh Yang are all left there. They're left on their planet. Thrawn has made it back to the main galaxy, and he's going to set up shop on Dathomir, so the witch's place, and he's going to wreak havoc, and we'll see. And Ezra has been reunited with Hera. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead played that scene perfectly, but I wish they would have hugged. They, like, cut while they were walking towards each other. I want to see them hug and embrace and cry and crap. Give me some emotion. As for Shin and Balin, who... They really did nothing this episode. I'm kind of sad that we didn't. I was when they were watching the episode. I was like, "Well, where are Shin and Balin? If we're gonna wrap up the season, where the heck are they?" And they just leave all their stuff for season two. We see Shin looks to be leading the pirates in the other galaxy, and Balin looks to be searching for the gods of Mortis that are prevalent in Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, you have the father who thinks can, the rumors or the theory is he's gonna be replaced by Anakin. The daughter's the good one, which is the owl that you see at the end. That's Ahsoka. We don't know who the new son's going to be. Maybe Sabine, maybe Shin, something like that. And then you have the mother. I don't remember what her name is. We never saw her, but she's kind of like a tentacle lady. And I think uh, Balin might be looking for her because she's Chaos Springer. So we'll see where that philosophical stuff goes later. But we just see the statues. Don't know where he's going, but it really is sad that Ray Stevenson doesn't get to play this character in the, in the future. Hopefully whoever they get to play the character is good because he has a lot to live up to. And they better recast it because he's very important to the story. And I think it would be very, very short-sighted for them to kill him off and give the storyline to someone else. Balin's a great character. Let's not lose him because the actor passed away in life. The actor is there to serve the story, not the other way around. Let's keep his character going. Ray wants someone probably Ray probably wants them to continue on this legacy. So overall, this episode was really good with the action. Rick Famuyu is amazing at Star Wars action. He did the finale of Mandalorian season three. He did the finale here. He's just awesome. He's perfect at Star Wars action. And everything in it was amazing. I just wish this wasn't the season finale of the show. Instead, we got like four more episodes, or this was the halfway point. Just go before we got to the movie because I don't know. I don't I just don't know if we're gonna do a movie or we're doing season two next. We also do Mandalorian season four. I kind of, I don't know when we're going to be able to get this all together, especially with the writer's strike and stuff like that. It's just worrying. But lastly, I want to mention before I rank all these episodes, 
for the volume technology. It's still so awful whenever they're out on the planet. It looks so fake. They need to get the cinematographer who worked on Mandalorian season one, hasn't worked on any of the shows since. Get, please bring him back. He knows how to use it effectively where it doesn't look like they're standing in front of the screen. There's ways you can use it. This is not it. But now I want to briefly rank the Ahsoka episodes now that season one is finished. And hopefully we get a season two announcement soon. They said they were talking about it, but we'll see. But let's go from worst to best. Worst, episode six, which is when they finally meet Thrawn and they go to the other galaxy. Sabine really brought this episode down and so did the reunion with Ezra. I did not like it, but the Thrawn stuff was really good. Then we have episode three, mostly action that was filmed with, it was filmed well with, um, with, it was entertaining, but not a huge, huge advancement in the story. It was kind of just space action and they made it to the planet where they were at. Nothing really big happened. Episode one, set the story in place and caught everything up on the, everyone on the events of Star Wars Rebels, but moved way too slow at parts between her trying to turn the dial to figure out where the map is and just moved way too slow at some parts. Episode five, this episode is low solely because of how overhyped it was, but the Anakin Ahsoka flashbacks to Clone Wars were cool, along with the whale stuff at the end. It just lived, didn't live up to the awesomeness of the previous week's episode. Number two, episode two. It felt like the story really got going here as we saw them track down the Imperial remains at the shipyard, and Ahsoka has to fight off the Inquisitors while Hera takes to the sky. I love the teamwork. Perfect Star Wars Rebels. Perfect Star Wars action here. Then episode seven, everyone is finally reunited and Thrawn is ready to go. I feel like they're really setting up some awesome stuff for the finale, but you could feel the dread coming. Second favorite episode would be episode eight. Even if I didn't like where it left off with the entire season, I still love the episode with the excellent action and direction of action and character choice that decided the fate of the future of Star Wars. My favorite episode was the halfway point of the season, and that is episode four. I would say similar things about four like I did with episode eight because the action was really the standout with the fight between Ahsoka and Balin and the choice of being made to let them have the map. That was like the most important choice our character made so far. It was all perfect and really was a highlight of my excitement for the season. So again, those rankings are worst to best. Six, three, one, five, two, seven, eight, and four. So four is my favorite. Six was my least favorite. So four, four was just so good. So good, man. So Ahsoka definitely lived up to my astronomical hype. And I need Mandalorian season four. I need Ahsoka season two. And I need the movie now. Start working on it right now. The actor, writer strike is over. Let's get working on it. Exorcist Believer Review Time. So this past night, I watched the first Exorcist for the first time. And I've seen a lot of inspiration. I've seen Scary Movie 2. So I know all the Exorcist references. I've seen all sorts of parodies so i was kind of more i was familiar with it it was pretty good uh i don't have to say it was a little long dragged out a bit but the performance of the mother and reagan the daughter the mother and the daughter in the movie they were just like perfect and really sold me on the possession and then the ending of the movie with the priest killing himself by jumping out the window oh that was good i did not see that coming i did not know that was happening in the movie it kind of it didn't i don't know I've seen so much from it where it kind of didn't really surprise me or do anything new, but that's because it's been parried to death. I've seen it a million times, so it wasn't anything incredibly new, but I knew I needed to watch it before I went and saw Exorcist Believer. I can't see Exorcist Believer without seeing the original hollowed Exorcist. So I decided I made myself go out and watch Exorcist Believer. I saw the Rotten Tomato score at 24%. I got a little worried. I was didn't hope, didn't think it was going to be very good. David Gordon Green is the director of this movie, and they're planning on making a trilogy, but he did the Halloween films, which started off really strong and kind of died out towards the end. Started up here, went right down, so I was hoping maybe we're going to start off really strong with this, but then the reviews came out. Ooh, ooh, scare me. Scare me, but having seen the film, I have to say, I actually, 
I actually really like the movie. Please, nobody come after me, but I actually really like The Exorcist, which is kind of kind of surprising that I really like The Exorcist Believer. I think the moments that really worked for me were the ending and the exorcism itself, and I've seen a lot of people take issue with the ending online. I really like where they went with it. They went for it. They they did some things that I did not think they were going to do, and I really liked the ending, and the ending just felt very touch-felt, and it got me a little teary-eyed seeing the end of it just because I watched the first Exorcist. We're going into my negatives first. One, this film's an hour and 50 minutes. Let's make it an hour 30. It doesn't It doesn't need to be that long. We don't need a two-hour exorcist film. They stuff, they kind of drag it out. The It just, we, the exorcism, like the last 30 minutes of the movie, you have the missing plot line, and then you have a few other things with, with the mother coming back into it, but it's, it still feels really dragged out, and it feels like we could have really shortened it up a bit. I don't know where all that time went, but could have done something a lot better with it. As for the actors, Leslie Odom Jr. plays the lead here, which is a really great job. It's it's weird to see him stuff, see him stuff after seeing him in Hamilton so many times and listening to that soundtrack. Every time he talks, I think he's about to break out in song, which is kind of funny. But he does a great job as a father here, who has some moral qualms. He doesn't believe in religion or anything like that. He gets he has a tragic backstory with his wife from 2010-ish. I really liked what they did. The opening of this movie I did not see coming, and I like where they went within the opening. They went places where I did not expect them to go in this movie, which was. Really cool. I was fun seeing like a bigger budgeted horror film take the risks that this film didn't. I don't think that's paying off. Apparently, for a lot of other people. Then we have let's see the characters. We have the two daughters. The both actresses did a great job. Nowhere near the Reagan, the Reagan character in the original, but they still did a great job. And they, I won't get into those characters because there's a lot of stuff that happens with them that I don't want to get into because they leave it out spoilers. But you see the one they have to choose to save a kid, and let me just leave it at that. But they. They do some crap with that. It was really interesting. Then we have the neighbor who is the nurse. And you don't really see much of her trailer. She was actually my standout of the film. I really like the role she played. She has a backstory too about her being a nun and stuff like that comes with that. And she does actually a wonderful job. I'm trying to think anything else notable besides the coming back of the mother from the original Exorcist. Who's only probably in about 10 minutes. And I know a lot of people are mad about what happens to her. And they feel like she's misused here. I thought she was perfectly used by the amount the actress wanted to be. The actress has been asked to come back so many times for this Exorcist films, and she always turns them down. I think they made two or three sequels already to the Exorcist, but this this film retcons all of those. But what she did is they she asked to double it. The studio willingly doubled her salary, and then they paid that money towards her. I think she has a scholarship fund, so it's putting money towards a good cause. She isn't in the movie very much. Maybe she'll be in the sequel. We'll see. I like the ending, how they, what, the, I actually kind of enjoyed what they did with her character overall, because I knew the background with the actress, so I'm like, oh, she got in there, she got her check, and she left. It was kind of perfect. I can't think of anything else I can really say without delving into spoilers, although I do love the idea of different cultures, different religions melding together with exorcism to work together to get the spirit out. It's not just Catholic, Catholicism, not just Christianity, it's not just, they have some African religions in there too, they all work together to help it out, and I really like the group of people that came together at the end of Saw the Exorcisms was perfect. And fair warning to parents out there, especially if you're Christian and believe in exorcisms and demons and stuff like that, and you can't, you have kids, um, I would highly recommend do not see this movie. If I made my mom see this movie, she would have a heart attack with the missing children in the beginning, how they're gone for three days, and then exorcisms, and she'd have a heart attack. So just fair warning. But I say in this, I can't believe I actually really enjoyed the exorcism. As I said, though, other people... Didn't aren't not enjoying it. it has like 28% on Rotten Tomatoes at this point. That is not very good. It has a $30 million budget though. That's good. It's gonna, it's the first film made close to 3 billion worldwide when you adjust for inflation, which is absolutely insane thinking about that. That was 
1973, Exorcist was on top of the world. But where the budget is not an issue, $30 million. The issue is that Universal paid $400 million to acquire the rights to the Exorcism franchise. $400 million? That's absolutely insane for a film that did really well back in 1973. That was a long time ago. And the subsequent sequels did not make that much money. I know they paid the rights to make a whole trilogy, which I think they are going to get the trilogy with the performance of this film. It looks to have a high $20 million opening weekend, which will make money. But for $400 million? Jeez, that's absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, although I wouldn't call the film scary, not in the slightest. This movie is not scary at all, but I can't quite tell the scariness because nothing really scares me in these horror films. I've seen too many. So I'm not the good judge of character on scary. You can go to other people whether or not they think it was scary. It wasn't scary at all. They got me with one thing when we say snake, a rock and a snake. That got me. But other than that, nothing really got me. So I actually really enjoyed this film and I kind of recommend it. I like it better than none too. I like it better than some of the other horror offerings that are out in theater places right now besides Sox. Sox is good, but if you can't do the super gross stuff, I'd go out and see that just believer. You wouldn't have a bad time. I don't know where all these other people are, maybe just because it's inferior to the original, they just hold the original in such high regard, but I actually really enjoy this to my surprise. So, so I was planning on reviewing Loki episode one on this episode, but I think I'm just going to save that to review episode one and two, maybe on next week's episode, because I already talked about Soka and the show's already passed like 33 minutes at this point. So I'm just going to save that for next week. Although I'm very, very excited about Loki. But real quick before I talk about what's coming this next week, I just want to mention the shows that Gen V is actually fantastic and about as good as the boys. It's on Prime Video. The universe is great. I can't wait for the episodes of the show to come out weekly. Four episodes are out now, and you need to start watching them. There are so many other bigger shows, big shows on right now, that I don't have time to talk about weekly, but I will for sure try to review the whole season of, of Gen V once the show is over, around the beginning of November, I think. It might be right around when Invincible Season 2 is coming out. Also, Only Murders in the Building wrap Season 3 this week, and I don't have time to fully review it, but I just want to give say that it's really good, and everybody needs to get on. Paul Rudd, Meryl Streep were in the season. They killed it. So many, so many cool cameos, celebrity cameos showed up, and it's just such a comfort show. I really highly recommend it, especially when it starts getting more chilly. Oh, I cannot wait to watch the show again once it starts getting chilly down. But as for what's coming next week, there are no new big movies released next week. There is just Taylor Swift, The Eras Tour. It's finally time for theaters to come back to life with the biggest event of the fall, and that is Taylor Swift's The Eras Tour release in theaters. It is going to be insane. It's going to be so crazy for theater owners. And anyone not seen Taylor Swift, I feel bad for them, the people who are trying to go to an actual movie. Box office projections still the film opening around $125 million. But I think it's going to be a lot bigger than that, like around $175 million. just came out today that it's already made $100 million in pre-sales. So I think it's going to make a lot more than $125 million. Um, and the pre-sales are so big that Beyonce is going to release her concert film in, in theaters too on December 1st. But I'm not prepared for what I'm about to see, but I know... I know a lot of Swift fans are, and I don't know if I'm actually going to see this. I have tickets bought, but uh, let's just leave it at that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it out to see this. So if anyone wants to buy tickets off of me, please let me know. It's Friday night, opening night. Just let, hit me up. So it's going to be a fun, crazy time in the theaters next week. I don't know if I'm going to review Taylor Swift or not. We'll see how my schedule works out. But, I mean, it's not really a film. It's a kind of a concert film, just filming the concert. So I don't know if there's if you really want my movie standpoint on it, because I don't think it's very, like, a movie. So just leave it at that. But... What do you think of this week's episode of Seeing All? What did you think of Exodus Believer? Do you actually think it's good like me? Or are you part of the masses? Did you like Saw X, Paw Patrol, Exorcist? I just said that. Dumb Money, Good Creator, Ahsoka Finale. We talked about so much. Only Murders of the Moon Season 3, Gen V. Check it all out. I'm My friends can't believe how many things I'm watching. But I'm getting it done. I'm managing my time. I'm seeing all this crap for you guys. 
and I want to talk about it. I'm very much enjoying my time here. So thank y'all so much for listening. Make sure to follow us on our socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that fun stuff. And y'all have a good night now. Bye-bye.